Today's program was brought to you by 100 Bogart Street, the brand new co-working space in Bushwick, Brooklyn. Learn more at 100bogart.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. I'm Massimo Bottura. Hi, this is Amanda Cohen. This is David Kinch. This is Mike Anthony. This is Huni Kim. This is Amanda Freitag. This is Richard Blaze. This is Paul Kahn. This is Curtis Stein. This is Stephen Harris. This is Missy Robbins. And you're listening to Andrew Talks to Chefs on Heritage Radio. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the show. This is Andrew Talks to Chefs. I'm your host, Andrew Friedman. And I'm Caitlin Friedman. <laughs> what are you laughing at? Was that at? better? I don't know. I feel so funny that saying better? that. This is like our third take, which is embarrassing. <laughs> How hard can this be? I don't know. Clearly very hard. How ma- this happens every week. We start doing these things. <laughs> and then I, must, I think I'm just nuts because periodically <laughs> I just go, I do like a Bill O'Reilly. I freak out. I turn it off. Right? Okay, but that was better. We'll do it live. <laughs> okay, let's get... All right, come on. We're, we're, we've got four minutes. But you, all, you think they're all fine. You would use our first take every time. Pretty much. Really? Yeah. Okay. All right, so let's, let's jump in. We're so going to just quickly, first of all, first of all, our guest is Chef Claire Welly, the chef of Otway Restaurant in Brooklyn, New York. You ate there recently. I ate there and I loved it. And I loved it. She's impressive. Yeah, we're going to talk about her in a minute. Okay. But for people who may be listening to the show for the first time, welcome to the show. I'm saying this because it occurred to us, this is the show that will be at the top of the lineup when people start receiving my new book. Now, this is the weekly plug, Chef's Drugs and Rock and Roll, my new book. It releases February 27th. If you were listening to this before that, and order it, it will arrive, or so they say on all the commerce websites, it will <laughs> arrive on the 27th. I don't know how they know for certain it will arrive, but they say it will. And um, so that's my weekly plug. And But on the flap of the book, in my little bio, it mentions this show. So there may be people who just received the book, never heard of this show. Who are jumping in. Who are jumping in. So welcome, if that means you. We should explain. This is Andrew Talks to Chefs. But there's this other person, Caitlin, here. Caitlin is my wife. Caitlin is here because I cannot, for the life of me, do an introduction by myself. This has been an ongoing saga. Regular listeners were there for the moment that we started having you come on. That was, I think, episode four, the Amanda Freitag episode. And this has now become like, you know, we're like, what are we, like Burns and Allen? This is like our... uh, Really? What, you don't like that? No, that's. Well, for, I don't know. Isn't there someone younger? <laughs> or alive. <laughs> or maybe perhaps alive. Anyway, my, my solo intros were very stilted and painful. The interviews were not. And to correct that, as sort of a Hail Mary or a Hail Caitlin, we brought you on the show. Mm-hmm. And you were like the Roseanne Cash to my Johnny Cash. You completely, they used to say of Johnny Cash that when Roseanne Cash came on stage, he changed. 
He was, he was a, a different person. Wow, I feel so powerful. Do you feel powerful? Yeah. Yeah. Look at you. You are. You're like you're like glowing. Thanks, honey. Are you going to use your power for good or for ill? For good. I'm totally going to keep us on track. <laughs> okay. So, um so that's who Caitlin is for people who are listening for the first time. The other important thing is we we're going to do a twofer, not a twofer, a double feature. This was going to be a double feature. This interview with Claire Welly and the interview with Charlie Palmer, which is the episode that precedes this episode. And I'm going to just briefly explain this because I said this at the top of the Charlie episode, but I interviewed them a few days apart. And I have to apologize to other chefs who I interviewed earlier because I'm banking a lot of episodes in preparation for my book tour. But, um, you know, I was interviewing, uh, I interviewed Charlie and then I was interviewing Claire and there were all these commonalities between them. You know, they both come from farmland or farm country. They have lived at different times in their lives on the different coasts. Um, they both were high school athletes. They have very similar views of teamwork um, and uh, both mainly associated with New York City. And yet Claire was born roughly at the time that Charlie was starting to be a, a cook and a chef in New York City. So crazy. And to me, speaking to them just a few days apart, it was like this lightning bolt hit me in my interview with, when I was interviewing Claire. And I thought, wow, this is such a perfect look at how things have changed and evolved and also how much remains sort of constant and unchanged uh, and, and how much, you know, uh, uh, a chef... Who, who started in the early 80s, you know, a guy, <laughs> has in common with a chef who started, you know, in the aughts, a woman who's operating in Brooklyn. He's, his restaurant now is in Manhattan, you know, and yet how similar their, their lives are in some ways. So that is why I wanted to pair these two together. I thought this was a good time for it, to be honest, because my book is coming out. And, and I think if that book is relatable to people today, it will be because they see in that book the beginnings of the world that we all get to dine in today, right? Mm -hmm. So if you have not yet listened to that Charlie episode, I'd love for you to pause this one. It's, it should be the one preceding this in your queue if you're a subscriber. And... I'd like you to listen to the Charlie one, and then within a day or the same day, I'd like you to listen to this one. I really think they complement each other. Now, Otway Restaurant, Caitlin, you we ate there with a group of five friends recently. We had a really good meal. The space is great, and she's really impressive. How so? How did? What do you mean impressive? She just has a confidence, yeah. um, and a leadership, almost like a leadership quality. Yeah, she seems she, very together. Yeah, she came into the dining room just with this aura. Yeah. Yeah, her hair's pulled back. Her her totally white press. Yeah, she looks yeah. for people who've been to a full range of restaurants. She looks like the kind of cook that I usually associate with, like the Michelin crowd. You know, she's really buttoned down, mm -hmm. and 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 um, she's got a real presence in the dining room. I mean, she really did. Um, commanding. Right, right. But, yeah, friendly, that's a good word. but friendly, but friendly, yeah. Mm -hmm. And we loved our meal. Mm -hmm. And uh, I had never eaten there before. I'd never met her before. We had traded some messages about maybe doing an interview. 
Um, so we're going to get to that in a minute. I do quickly have some housekeeping. I know this is going to be a slightly long introduction, but I have to just say, first of all, Thursday, March 1st, I am speaking in Santa Monica with the legendary Ruth Reichel, one of my heroes, whose career really began and for years was based on the West Coast. She was the editor and critic of the LA Times food section. And she is going to be interviewing me about my book. That is within a week of when you're listening to this podcast, if you're listening to it when it's you know fresh. And if you're in the Los Angeles area, I hope you will come. Live Talks LA is the organization putting that on. And I, there are tickets available. And I would love to see you there. And I will be signing books afterwards. And if you only are really coming because you want to be in the same room with Ruth because you love her memoirs or... Whatever, that won't hurt my feelings. I was just about to say, you won't hold it against them. I won't. Because Tender at the Bone is a really great book. Well, you book. love that book. <laughs> I do I, love that I, book. As do I. But I, um, you know, I'd be going for Ruth probably. <laughs> <laughs> and not for me. Well, maybe I'd go for me. But um, anyway, that's happening next week. Then, March 7th, 7 p.m. in New York City, Sarah Moulton, the beloved Sarah Moulton, is moderating at the Institute of Culinary Education in Lower Manhattan a panel discussion about the 80s. This is, again, connected to the book. I will be on the panel. Okay, you ready for this panel? I'm ready. Mike Colomeco. Mm. David Waltuck of the late, great Chanterelle Restaurant. Mike Colomeco, by the way, in addition to his PBS show, was a cook and a chef in the 80s in New York and also has the PBS show Real Food and a great guy. Eric Bromberg, one of the Bromberg brothers who founded Blue Ribbon Restaurant, which was the seminal late night hangout of New York City, maybe of the country for chefs in the 1990s. Eric will be on the panel. Barry Wine the former chef owner of the Quilted Giraffe, one of the most important American restaurants ever. The first American-born chef to ever earn four stars from the New York Times in Manhattan will be there. And Diane Forley, who cooked at the River Cafe, who cooked at the Gotham Bar and Grill, who went on to open her restaurant Verbena, this is an amazing group. This is an amazing group. That is at the Institute of Culinary Education and there's going to be a reception after the talk. You can meet these people. And I'll be signing books there as well. But the talk should be amazing. And Sarah's an amazing moderator. She we were is. lucky to get her. She couldn't have been nicer about it. That's March 7th. And then, this is the last one I'm going to mention this week, but these are all really close. March 11th and 12th, I will be at the Philly Chef Conference at Drexel University. David Waltuck, again, of the late, great Sean Terrell. David happens to be one of my best friends. So he's been... Very available for book stuff. I was going to say, are you bringing him to all your parties? No, but he, no, he and I are speaking at the conference. But that conference is March 11th and 12th. It's at Drexel University, which if you're not based in Philly, it's, I believe, walking distance from 30th Street Station. So if you're within a train ride of Philly, you could come that way. Um, we're speaking on Monday the 12th. There is some programming on Sunday the 11th of March. And this is a first for us, Caitlin. I have a promo code... Just for our listeners. Wait, you have a promo code? I have a promo code all my own. So you're all, you're, this is legit. Yeah. If you listen <laughs> to this show and you want to come to the conference, so if you come on Sunday, March 11th, which is day one of the conference, 
it's a $30 ticket that day because it's not a full it's not as full a program as day 2 but it will take your ticket price down from $30 to $20 it will knock $10 off the price and that promo code is Andrew Andrew that's it simple okay day 2 which is an action packed day there's so many great speakers this is all online at Philly Chef Conference Chef singular Philly Chef conference.com. It's an amazing lineup. People come in from all over the country. Um, a lot of big names. You can see a list of speakers there. But day two, which is a $150 ticket, there are five tickets only available to listeners of this show. And it knocks your price down 50%. Goes to from 150 to 75 bucks. That's pretty good. That's amazing. Okay. And that is a while supplies last offer. The day two offer is for five listeners of the show. It's the same promo code for both days, which is Andrew. The day one offer is unlimited. The day two offer, five lucky people. Okay. And if you come to any of these events, or if you see me walking down the street or whatever, please let me know you listen to the show. I love hearing from listeners. It's, I love it. I love when I get a, a Facebook message. I love when I get an Instagram message. I love. I mostly love when I get reviews on iTunes. You do love that. That well has dried up. I'm, I'm not even going to ask anymore. Oh, just maybe nudge, just- nudge, <laughs> nudge, nudge, wink, wink. I think I haven't had a new review. I haven't had a new review in over a month. Uh, I know. See, if you could see Andrew's sad <laughs> face, you would review. <laughs> Okay, this has been a long intro, but we, there was a lot of information to convey. There was a lot I, going on. Yeah, I feel okay about it. So okay. listen, Claire Welly of Otway Restaurant, we did a straight biographical interview, so I'm not really going to tell you anything about it leading into it, except to say that that restaurant has gotten a fair amount of attention. One of the dishes on the menu uh, made Pete Wells's The New York Times Critic list of the top 10 dishes that he had last year. There's a very funny story about that in the interview. Um, but you will find, I believe, this to be a very fascinating interview, even if you have never heard of Otway, been to Otway, or heard of Claire yet. I think this is a really awesome conversation, and I'm thrilled to be able to share it with you. And again, I think it's a fabulous companion piece to the Charlie Palmer interview. This is it. I hope you enjoy it. And here you go. First of all, I'm walking over here, and it occurs to me, I could have Googled it, but what does Otway mean? What does Otway mean? Um, when, we, when we decided to pick a name for a restaurant, we started conjuring up visions of what we wanted the space to be, and Otway is um, a beautiful area in Australia. Uh, huh? Samantha, the owner, her husband is from Australia. And yeah. so it's just this absolutely Narnia-like location <laughs> in Australia. That's a powerful adjective. Yeah. Okay. And it, it didn't limit us to cuisine. It didn't yeah. limit us to, I don't know, like daytime, nighttime. It was just a beautiful place 
that we wanted people to crave being in. So it was a word that had a lot of personal meaning to all of you. Definitely. That evoked certain feelings, yes. but wasn't yes. going to, yeah, as you said, box you into exactly. any kind of anything. Right? Exactly. Have you been there? We could spell it. Have you been there? <laughs> I have not. Okay. No, so I have, that's, no, I've been that's, on the line for the last 10 years. Yeah, so, <laughs> so that's waiting out there for you, too. One day. Yeah, one day. okay, well, that's yep. good, too. Um, so, uh, Claire, take can we, we, you and I have never sat and talked. I we met you, we shook time. hands when I came into dinner. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, I'd love to just, you know, go straight forward, start, go for pretend it. I'm James Lipton and you're some, you know, actress. Absolutely. Um, uh, take me all the way back. You, where were you, where were you born and where did you grow up? Uh, born and raised outside of Baltimore. Uh-huh. Uh, two amazing, amazing, amazing parents. I had a fantastic childhood. Um, they were supportive and I was allowed to do whatever I wanted. The home was filled with creativity and mm-hmm. siblings or older brother. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yep. Older brother. And, um, yeah, I never, we never really like left home base. Yeah. I was there until I went to culinary school at CIA when I was 18. Yeah. So when you say just outside of Baltimore, was it, uh, was it farm country? It is. Yeah. Very, very much so. Um, it's a very small town called Westminster. Uh huh. Um, Probably nobody knows it who's listening to this show right now. <laughs> That's okay. But, um, but this yeah. is a uh, stunning... I dated someone years ago who was from that area. I, I can't even it. remember the town. It was fantastic. But this is a big transformation. When you get out right outside of D.C., right mm-hmm. outside of Baltimore... It's just horse country. It's horse country. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, 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 it changes yeah. quickly. Very much so. Yeah. Very much so. Yeah. Um, although being farm country and very rural, it was interesting. It wasn't farmers markets and small farms and it, you know, it was still a very, let's go to the grocery store, you know, let's go to one place for everything. And it was only until I got a little bit older that I started to realize that there were little tiny hubs. There was a little Mm -hmm. butcher, there was a place to go get, you know, fresh picked fruit and things like that. But it was a pretty normal childhood. Uh huh. What kind of kid were you? Were you extroverted, introverted? Uh, I, no, I let the flag fly pretty early, I have to say. <laughs> I was definitely encouraged. Wow, you kind of yeah. light up when you answer that. Yeah, were you no. a little bit out of were you a little bit I was. rambunctious? No, no, not at all. I, I was very I was very in line. Um, yeah. I was very all about my grades and I played sports yeah. and I dabbled in school leadership. No, I I was kind of all over the board, but I had my head down. Uh, uh-huh. I didn't cause too much trouble. Okay. Um, what sports did you play? Uh, field hockey. Field hockey. Field hockey. My daughter so. just did a season of field uh, hockey. I miss it so much. I miss like the competition. Um, did you so. like being on a team? Very you, much did so. You, do you connect that to the kitchen? This seems oh to come gosh. up. There's so many people yes. who play team sports who end up in yes. a kitchen. 100%. When I'm like stuck downstairs in the basement making bread by myself. Yeah. I'm so lonely. Like I come upstairs and I'm like, what's going on? Somebody tell me a story. What's happening? Like I'm, I'm a team player. 100%. You don't love that. You don't love that meditative part of the job. No, right. No, I, there's plenty of time to think. Uh (laughs) I want to talk and I want to like, you know, we, we're very protective of our chemistry at Outway. And so if you're in the kitchen, you're there for a reason, and I want your flag to fly. I want you to be who you are. It was a big reason why the kitchen drew me when yeah. I was so young. Yeah. Because I was like, oh, my God, I'm around people who are just like me. Yeah. Um, which was phenomenal. That's- this may I may end up cutting this out, but um, 
this is like an inside, there's a term inside baseball. This is inside field hockey. Mm -hmm. There's a move I'd never even, why did I'd never been to a field hockey game until my daughter did field hockey. But there's a move where you maneuver the stick under the, whatever it is, the ball. Mm -hmm. And you can bounce the ball on the stick and run as far as you can manage. Isn't that amazing? I forget what it's called. I know, I know. But that's a move. It's like air something, I think is the official name. Nobody really does it. Um, because it's kind of, I don't know, considered like, oh, it's ghost. She's doing it. But oh, really? But like, it has won so many games. That move. That's a cool move. It's a. It's a yeah. I love this. Anyway, I had to bring that up because you're love. probably the first person I've ever been keep talking having, to. Yeah, keep or I your could daughter play it. Find a reason to bring up that move. It's a great sport. <laughs> I, I loved it so much. It was so intense. Yeah. So you, uh, what did you think you were going to do when you were a kid? How early did you start thinking about this? Uh, I think in in my hometown, in the public school system, you are encouraged to pick your career very early on, mm-hmm. because then all of your classes in high school and uh, middle school are going to be geared towards whatever career you pick. Um, but not in the vocational school sense. Oh, oh, yeah, oh yeah, or re- they are. Oh yeah, and okay. so um, absolutely, they they start you thinking about your future very young. I remember in maybe sixth or seventh grade starting to think about professions hmm. and I chose chef. I'm not like, it was amazing. I started to watch, um, this show on the discovery channel called great chefs of the world. I'd like run home and watch it. And they did an appetizer an entree and a dessert and like a, an hour segment. Now, when you were watching them on discovery, were those older, were these the oh, older, yeah. these are the ones from the eighties. Oh yeah. yeah. That's an important oh, yeah. with, show with historically. Like, oh, yeah. I, that was, I think originally maybe a PBS thing. It was. And yeah. I love that. You love that. Oh my God. I love that show. Getting to see what did you like about kitchen. it? Um, just seeing something from start to finish in such a way that had never been presented to me, like Food Network was just starting yeah. and it wasn't, it was more entertainment value and yeah. less, I don't know, ideas and creation and seeing it from in like in somebody's kitchen, you know, yes. like they carved out a little corner of a busy kitchen to tape this show and it was so fascinating. Yeah. So I picked Chef and I just geared everything towards that. My last three years of, two years of high school, I was in a Votech school for okay. culinary. Yeah. So like- I was, okay, so I was, not just gear, sending you to classes that might have some application, right, exactly. no, I but was, literally tra- like training, like oh, yeah, a classroom absolutely. kitchen. And, and I only applied, like CIA was it, all eggs in one basket, and I got in, thank so goodness. To speak. Yeah, yeah, exactly, thank goodness. And so I went there um, and did associates. I didn't stay for bachelor's because mm-hmm. I knew I just wanted to be on a line. So you were there for a year? Two. You did the general two-year thing. Mm-hmm. Did you, uh, well, first of all, I'm just curious because you're among the younger guests I've had on the show. Okay. So it's it's interesting to me where things fell for you along the, the lines of parental receptiveness mm-hmm. to their child saying, I want to be a cook. Yes. What was the reaction when you, because you you just said it was, these, yes. it, you, it was on television, the Food Network was newish, mm-hmm. but it was mm-hmm. there. People were starting to be sort of restaurant moguls, you know, the chef is business person yes, and the, 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 the product yeah. lines, mm-hmm. like it was starting to be seen as a, as uh, an yes. avenue to fame and fortune. Right. Yes, yes. So how did your parents take it? Um, I think they were, they were for years. I wanted to be a lawyer just forever. As long as I can remember, I wanted to go into law and, um, it wasn't like just like one day I said, I want to be a cook, but it was pretty like all of a sudden I just kind of switched gears and, I think they were a little nervous about just how hard the industry is, yeah. how, 
how much you have to work and sacrifice and slave and you don't get a lot from it. Yeah. But on the other side, you get everything from it. So I think they saw the fact that I'm going to be working hard. I'm going to have tradition. It's a bit militant, which I like. Um, I'm surrounded by people who are just like me. I fit in somewhere. Yeah. So I think they saw more pros than cons. Yeah. And they just wanted me to just now, if I was going to do it, do it right all the way. Go to the, you know, go to culinary school, get into kitchens that were going to teach me the ways of doing things properly. Yeah. So they were very supportive. Very supportive. Where Before we move off it, where did the law thing come from for you? I don't know. I think just being... Like seeing it in the movies or was there a lawyer in your life? Just like being argumentative and just being like a strong... Like I don't... I also... You know, I wasn't terrible in school. Um, Right. So... I didn't mind hard work and I love reading. Yeah. Um, so I think just the fact that I could, I don't know, learn something and the law would be on your side and, you know, you, I don't know, maybe just rules. I don't know. Arguing. Yeah. Do you have a strong sense of justice? I don't know. Maybe, I guess. Right and wrong. Ethics, yeah. of course. Yeah. Um, I, I'm really drawn towards the kitchen too because they do have those same set of like, not necessarily like laws, but rules. Yeah. Um, that you have to, uh, uh, you know, abide by and, yeah. and learn to yep. survive. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Interesting. Yeah. Did you do, like, debate class and oh, stuff? Oh, yeah. Like that? You did. Everything. You did, and you yeah. were good at that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was okay. <laughs> I was okay. <laughs> Let's be honest. I, I mean, I am struck yeah. by it. I, you know, getting ready to talk to you, I did, you know, mm-hmm. l- take a sneak a listen here and there. To you. You, you do... Um, uh, whatever, it's a compliment, I guess, but I, uh, it, you, you're a really good speaker, thank if you don't you. mind my saying no, so. Thank you. You're I, a very I have clear. To hold back. V- what do you mean? I've always, I, somebody said, wow, Claire, you have a lot to say. And I, I guess I've always had a lot to say, but I have, I have a very strong point of view. Yeah, I but you're like, very clear thank about you. it. Well, thank you. Thank I mean, you. When you compliment. say you wanted to be a lawyer, that, I could, that makes sense yeah. to me. Mm-hmm. In a way, I mean, it's an maybe odd transition from. Maybe one day. <laughs> I mean, it's an it's not that usual transition no, from that not. from that to like no cook. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, I know, right? Isn't yeah, it? yeah. And also, the, your the thing about solitude. I mean, did, would you have been happy like in the in the law no, library par- at four would, in the morning? I would need a partner. Yeah. I would absolutely one hundred percent need a partner. Right. I could so, not do it alone. So you go to the CIA. Yes. And what was that experience like for you? Well, um, I'm really grateful for my parents for supporting me and mm-hmm. paying for it. Yeah. Um, but I would not recommend school it, un- unless, you know, that's really your, I don't know, unless you wanted that true experience. I, I made the most of it. I mm-hmm. went to every single class. I mm-hmm. skipped one class just to say that I skipped a class, you know, literally um, just, one just one morning of one, one class. class. And it was okay. a writing class. It wasn't even a cooking class. Um, <laughs> just to say okay. I did. I told right. you I wasn't rebellious. Yeah. I was going to say um, that. Yes. So I made the most of it. I was always in the library. Um, I was a teaching assistant yeah. after I graduated yeah. um, in the Escoffier room. Uh-huh. I had side Which is jobs. no longer. It's no longer, I know. It's now the book who's yep. room. So I did, I really made the most of it, but I did not like CIA. Sorry, CIA. Because why? Um, it is very, it felt very outdated even when I was there. Sterile? Yes. Nobody was talking about organic. Nobody was talking about farming. You don't even learn how to sharpen your knife. Um, I'm, and I, I haven't really been that honest about CIA. Nobody's really asked me. So yeah, I, I didn't, I did not really like the experience. That's why I did not stay for bachelors. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So, but I did make the most of it and I'm very, very grateful for my parents for paying for it. Yeah. Where do you net out on the concept of cooking school just in general? Like if you, cause I've heard two schools, yeah. I've heard people say, 
it's a great place to go. Mm-hmm. You get all the basics. Um, and then, and even I think cooking school people would acknowledge, you know, people who work at cooking schools, if they're honest. I mean, I think this is why you have externships. Mm-hmm. There is always going to be a gap yes. between the laboratory of a kitchen classroom and the reality of a service. Real it's, li- again, not to compare it to life and death stuff, no, no, I agree. but it's like I the agree. difference between a flight simulator and then being in a dogfight. It's the difference yeah. between is, boot camp and battle, right? I totally, absolutely, 100% agree. Yeah. And it's actually a bigger conversation because eight, 10 years ago, okay, as a cook, you went to a restaurant. There were no jobs. There were three people waiting in line for a cook to either get sick, leave, get promoted, go to another restaurant, and you got the call and you could go work. But then- This is New York we're talking? Or you uh, mean you feel like this was the general atmosphere? This was everywhere. This was me in San Francisco going there and there were no jobs because there were like four restaurants that we all wanted to work at. Now, there's too many restaurants and there's too many jobs to be filled. And it doesn't matter if you went to culinary school anymore. Mm. It doesn't matter. You could literally almost walk into any restaurant and be like, I want to work here. I'm going to work hard. Teach me. So, And if people can smell that you're an intelligent person, they will invest that time in you. Common sense is always set you apart. You can't teach smart. No, it's not that common, is it? (laughs) So um, culinary school gave you a leg up a couple of years ago. But honestly, instead of paying to learn, Go into a kitchen, work for free for a little bit, and then get paid to learn. Mm -hmm. So I'm not saying nobody go to culinary school. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying for me, I probably would have done it differently because it would have put me into kitchens about three years earlier. So you believe in kind of the the European, the old school, kind of what people will call the apprentice system. Yes, 100%. 100%. Do you have a a thought about... um, you know, because this, again, I feel like this is very much in flux, right? Mm-hmm. I feel like it used to be, you know, you took a job and the expectation or even the code, you can almost say, was you were going to be there for a year. Yes. Minimum. Yes. And it was also very common going back further than, I forget if you said eight years or 10 mm-hmm. years ago, but you go back further and it was very common that people would put in three to five years in one kitchen and then mm-hmm. go do that in another kitchen yeah. Right, and now, if you didn't, you were blacklisted. Exactly. You were well, if you did the less than a year, oh, yeah. for sure. But what's your feeling about um, kind of? Um, I mean, I'm asking you to probably overgeneralize a little. Mm-hmm, but how much time a young cook should kind of be in a kitchen to forget what they might owe the employer? Right. What do you think? Just selfishly, how long do you think a cook should be in a job? Do you think a year's? A, if you're putting together sort of, you know, this kind of de facto curriculum for yourself. Right. What do you think is the way to go about that? Uh, it, it is truly a case-by-case basis, but I do agree with you where there is this code. Um, it's, it's actually, a, it's a, I could talk about this industry all day. I'm, in, I'm still in love with yeah. it. Um, I think a year minimum is good because it's a season. You get to see a season, you know, like a full year. You go through the cycle once. Exactly. Yeah. Um, not to say that there aren't case by case basis is how many stations in a, in a kitchen, mm-hmm. um, you know, what are you do? I, how much are you getting paid? I don't, there, there's a lot of things. But how yeah. low are you on the ladder you start, exactly. right? Cause maybe you could move up to sous chef or something like that right. over two, three years. Exactly. And yeah. so for me, and I think I'm one of the last people, not the last people, but our, this generation, like yeah. my friends who are at my same age, yeah. the year is still true. Mm-hmm. 100% still true. If you stayed your year. Nobody can say anything. You did your year. Mm-hmm. 
now I'm lucky if somebody stays eight months. Yeah. It's a cook's market. Mm-hmm. If people use the term buyer's market and seller's market, yes. it is. it used to be a chef to... Oh, yeah. To ex- Put another. Put what you said before in another way. Yeah. It used to be a, a chef's market. Oh, absolutely. Now it's a cook's market. It's like the Wild West out there. Yeah. They literally can do, cooks can do whatever they want right now. Yeah. And it's very important, at least in our kitchen, in our restaurant, we kind of took the power back a little bit. Yeah. Um, our employees are our number one priority. Remember how I said I was very protective of our chemistry? So if yeah. we do say yes to you working here, you are our number one priority. We are gonna pay you as much as we can possibly pay you. You wanna work with a, a specific ingredient? Yes, absolutely. You wanna rotate stations? You got it. But I am gonna ask a lot of you. And I'm, so can we, let's, can we dial in on this a little? Sure. And then we'll go back chronologically. Yes, absolutely. But I'm fine roaming around. Okay. Um, so we're very protective of our chemistry. What mm-hmm. do you mean by that? Where does that phrase come from for you? Um, That's it, a very catchy phrase. Thank you. Uh, I would rather not have bodies. We call them heartbeats. I don't need a heartbeat back there. Um, I need a team player, somebody who wants to learn, who's energetic and can offer something. What can you offer me? Mm-hmm. What can you teach me? Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, I'm not just going to hire bodies. I'm, I'll just do it myself. I'm on the line six days a week. Yep. I worked roast station last night. I'm going to work Garmo tonight. Yeah, I remember you when know? I came to dinner here, yeah. you and I had had a little exchange on Instagram and yeah. the, we were messaging each other. Mm-hmm. We'd never met. Yeah. And I said, I'm coming in Saturday, but if you're not there Saturday, no, and you very here. politely said, um, I'm here every night. I'm I'll here. be on, I think yep. you said the grill that night yep. or something like on, that. I yeah. was on roast. Um, on roast. Yeah. Right. yeah, so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, so I'm always here. And so I'll just do it myself. Um, so yeah, I'm not gonna, we have very high standards here because I've had, people have had very high standards for me Yeah. and I don't want to dilute that. Mm -hmm. So you, when you hire ideally, even though there's this shortage, you are, you might be looking for what? Somebody who maybe has worked in a style of cuisine that you haven't and no one else in the kitchen has. Is this what you mean by that? Yes, absolutely. Or maybe they're looking at, everybody is in a kitchen for a different reason. Mm -hmm. Um, Everybody has a different idea of why they're there, what they're going to learn, what they're going to take from a job. Um, so the cuisine thing, not so much. I mean, is it would be really helpful if somebody like knew Vietnamese. Absolutely. That'd be wonderful. Our family right. meals would be amazing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but And healthy. And healthy. <laughs> but for me, it's like, no, I... I, I I just want to give you a reason to be here and you dial in on that and yeah. you, you know, use us just as much as I'm using you. But when you say, what can they teach me? What, I'm wondering what kind of thing oh, you might um, want to get from a cook. Like, what is the kind of thing well, at this Well, I'll point? tell you, to be honest with you, being in charge is a lot less about the food than I thought it was. Right. And it's way more about managing personalities. Mm-hmm. I like having personalities in the kitchen. Um let me learn about you and where you've come from and your memories. And I don't know, let me learn how to manage this different type of person. Yeah. Um, but yes, absolutely. Also teaching me like, uh, one of my cooks right now is a baker. And so he's, you know, we talk shop all the time about baking. Yeah. Um, my other cook has only come from fine dining. And so he's helping me like, you know, be a little less lackadaisical than I've been, um, in the past. Mm-hmm. So yeah, everybody has something to offer. Yeah. Interesting. I am curious of the cuisine thing. I'd love your just take on this because I was reminded, I guess I went the wrong way with it, but I'd still like to hear what you think of this. You know, um, because I hear, I guess I would say cooks who are on, uh, chefs who are on the green side of 40, let's say, Mm -hmm. right? I feel like there's a break point around there. I feel like people who came up 
earlier than that, you know, there's this real sense of like the chef, almost like this kitchen deity, right? Mm -hmm. Like, and there's this line I used to hear all the time, like, you know, a chef is the person in the kitchen who knows the most, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And I had a conversation with Jeremiah and Fabian from uh, Contra and Wild Air a couple of years ago. It was a print interview on my blog. Mm And, you know, we were talking and there were a lot of revelatory things for me that came out of that interview. One was it was around the time that all these restaurants like uh, Tribeca Grill and Gotham and Union Square, they were all turning 30. Yeah. And even those guys who were really flavor of the month, they were mm-hmm. like, we'll feel lucky if we go get five years. No, right? I, that, absolutely. You're nodding as I say that. That mm-hmm. was one revelation. The other revelation was I made the comment I just made about, you know, the chef is the person in the kitchen who, because they're really young, mm-hmm. right? They are. And, and I think Fabian was like 26 when we did that interview. Mm-hmm. And I made that comment and Jeremiah said, yeah, but Andrew, it used to all be French. Like it used to be that that just meant you knew all the French stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, now Absolutely. anything goes. Anything there can goes. be, how many cuisines might make an appearance, even God. if it's just one ingredient or mm-hmm. one, um, you know, preparation or something on a menu. He's like, so that that's over. Mm-hmm. You know, that notion it that really that's is. who the chef is is over. This, but I would yeah. think that's also exciting. It is because food is so memory based. Mm. If you know, it's one hundred percent based in memory, and so you need experiences and and moments and flavors and events to yeah. be able to curate something. When you go into a, a small restaurant like this, and you're yeah. like Otway, like Contra, like Wild Air, like all these amazing restaurants, you're you're choosing a very specific experience. Yeah. Um, so absolutely, you need to be exposed to as much as you can possibly be exposed mm-hmm. to, to create food. That's why, you know, actually it was funny, you mentioned that because my father used to take us into the grocery store and he just let us pick out whatever we wanted. If if we hadn't yeah. tried it, you know, we'd come home with like star fruit and dragon fruit and, you know, labels that we couldn't read. And, and we would just try things just to do it, just to have the experiences. And so you're right, like bringing something, all, you know, all the cooks that come in, they, they definitely bring their own point of view, their own take, the things that are important to them, mm-hmm. not their likes, their dislikes. Yeah. You know, and that's all something you have to work with. If a, if a cook doesn't want to work with an ingredient or is my baker was uh, gluten intolerant. <laughs> so, you know, there's a lot to okay. work with. And, and that made me think about doing a, maybe a little less like um, gluten heavy things, maybe some non bread item. Like, you know, yeah. it, it just spiraled. That's so interesting. You know, years ago, I did a diabetes cookbook with mm-hmm. a chef friend of mine who's diabetic. And, um, you know, we did the dessert chapter. Yeah. And the first thing we, you know, we'd look at like, this may be news to people. Usually if you're making a recipe in a cookbook and it's a version of a classic thing, mm-hmm. you look at like a handful of other recipes. Of and you get a baseline, you get a rough right. sense of the quantities and ratios, and then you make it your own. And we would start by using automatically half the sugar Absolutely. of all the recipes we Me found, too. right? <laughs> and then... But we would even go lower. Mm-hmm. We'd end up with 20% of the sugar that you would find in, a, in like the recipe yeah. from Joy of Cooking or something. And it's still registered. It's amazing yeah. how those kind of limitations, you can really learn a lot because there's such thoughtlessness yep. about cooking for a lot. Yeah. It's, uh, cooking is very unexamined for a lot, especially with the classics. I know. It, it is. It was like, it just this is how we do it. This is how we do it. Yeah. Don't ask questions. Yeah. And that's how you just survived for a really yeah. long time. So, you know, I can always tell if a cook is like really quiet when I tell them to do something. I'm like, what? Tell me, you know, like, and right. they would be like, oh, well, 
I don't want to do it this way. Or I think we could actually do it better this way. Yeah. And I'm, I'm okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> what, yeah. what do you need? You know, what do you need? You mentioned, um, you know, stories, mm -hmm. right? When you, in collaboration and all this, how mm -hmm. does that work in your kitchen? Like how might, and do people, are, are you all, I'm assuming, how small is your kitchen? How many people are Four. working any given service? Four cooks. Four. Yeah, including okay, myself. including you. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that's pretty tight. Mm -hmm. um, you guys, I, I'm assuming you spend time together after mm -hmm. work. Yeah. Um, so when people bring an idea to the table or they bring um, a variation on an idea or mm -hmm. input on an idea, do they, do you all kind of share the reference, the personal reference points of the dishes? Absolutely. I think it's important too because they have to get to know my style. Um, all the cooks right now, we've never worked together before. Um, a lot of the cooks uh, in the beginning, we had all worked together yeah. and like sometimes um, if I, it's a really busy night, I might call one of my friends in to help me out. And yeah. so, but right now, none of us had worked together before. So it, was, it takes a little bit of time to get to know somebody's yeah, style. Yeah, yeah. So once they feel comfortable with my style, then they can be like, hey, I want to make this for Sunday lunch. Or can we, can we put this on the menu? You know, um, when they, when they show, when they come into work um, for the very first time, I'm, I told, I tell them that they have to pick one ingredient that they've never worked with and they have to make one thing they've never made or always wanted wanted to make um, while they're here. So I don't ever want them to walk away being like, wow, I was never allowed to do anything in that kitchen because yeah. I felt like that for a long time. Um, so I, and I don't want them to ever say, oh, I, w I didn't get anything out of Otway. So they're encouraged to push and try and learn. That doesn't necessarily mean things on the menu. That's not the end game. Yeah. Like you, you, you think it is when you're a little bit younger, but that's not the end game for me. If they mm -hmm. want to put food on the menu, we'll do an addition. We'll try it. What, you know, I'm totally fine with that. Um, it just has to be a cohesive thought. It has to fit in with the rest of the menu. Yeah, of course. But they're absolutely told, pick something, try something, learn, mess up, you know, use us. I've seen you reference teaching in several play, in several mm -hmm. interviews, mm -hmm. um, you see that as part of your role, I, and it seems like in a larger way you see that as part of the yes. restaurant's role. Yes, absolutely, what, one hundred percent. My mom's a teacher. Oh, what uh, element? What level? Uh, she is an art teacher. Uh -huh. uh, she's done all grades. I'm very proud of to say that she's the highest ranked art teacher on the East Coast. <laughs> um, and uh, I, I never really thought it's it's a, it's daunting to teach. It is one of the hardest things you can possibly do, but it's one of the most important. I've had a lot of great mentors, a lot of great leaders, a lot of great chefs. And mm -hmm. so I want to be that to somebody. Mm -hmm. That would mean the world to me. Mm -hmm. um, and nobody invests anymore in cooks, you know? It, you're, because they think they're gonna leave. Yes. Yeah, it's become and, very mercenary. Yes, yeah. and you're open for three services a day. Right. You're doing breakfast, lunch, and dinner seven days a week. Yeah. There's no time to do anything. Yeah. We're open for, you know, five days, and then we right. do a half day on Sunday. So it's, there's so much time. Like, you know, if you want to butcher fish, let's butcher fish. If you want to turn artichokes, let's turn out whatever you want. Like, I want, and I don't ever really think, wow, this is going to benefit me. I want them to go to their next job and for them to be like, wow. Somebody taught you how to make bread. Somebody, mm -hmm. you know how to do this. Yeah. That you can, you can fix a sink, you know, yeah. like that's really, really important for us. We are trying to be a model that this is possible. Mm -hmm. You don't have to kill yourself. Yeah. You might have to do it all yourself, yeah. but you know, you don't ha you have to have quality of life. Did this come? It's interesting to me because you know, the way you're talking uh, in terms in contemporary terms, uh, and you mentioned the fifth floor. Mm -hmm. um, 
Did this come from you out of your time out west? It seems this seems like a very Northern California okay. uh, notion to me. I'm very old school. I am no. I, this is not. This is new. This is. This is your own. This is applying this, this your is own orientation yeah. to this work. It, this is like ride or die. Like you, it, our industry has changed so much in the last couple of years. Would I like to be in a kitchen and literally put my head down, have my station, do my prep, write my list, go home and say yes, chef, for fourteen hours? Yes, that sounds beautiful to me. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what I've been doing for the last, you know, decade or so. Mm-hmm. And I love it. I love this industry. Yeah. But it's different now. And if you don't see how it's changing and if you don't change with it, yeah. you, you know, you're, you're going to expire. But it's different how? Everything. I cannot just be the person in the kitchen screaming and yelling and throwing plates and making people call me chef. I've never asked somebody to call me chef. Like, mm-hmm. it, we are a small team. If you don't want to wear an apron, don't wear an apron. Mm-hmm. That mean, you know, like... A couple of years ago, if I didn't wear an apron, I would have a chef throw an apron at me mm-hmm. and be like, put the apron on. Really? Even you at your age, you were getting that kind oh, yeah, of, of treatment. But I, yeah. I mean, I also like it. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the biggest smile of the whole interview. Okay. Um, yeah. It's just this industry has changed a lot in the last couple of years and yeah. you, you have to change with it. But you, I, I, because what I mean, because it is so you mean to create a home where people mm-hmm. want to be? Yeah, mm-hmm. but you're also talking, you clearly get something out of teaching people. Yo, absolutely. Personally. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, knowledge is, you have to be versatile. Yeah. You know, um, I took time to learn baking and pastry. Yeah. I worked on an organic farm. Yeah. I did bread. Yeah. I did savory. Yeah. I've done meat station, roast station, entremet, yeah. garlic, yeah. like, I'm the porter, yeah. you know, like, <laughs> um, you right. have to be versatile. And yeah. so I want to give the cooks that, you know, your bread delivery might not get delivered one day, you know, right. like you need to learn how to make bread. So yeah, teaching, teaching is very important. I, I spent a lot of time in kitchens where I was just like, I didn't learn anything. I didn't get anything out of it. And then I kind of realized we, maybe that was my fault. Maybe I didn't ask to do enough. Mm. Maybe I should have pushed and come in earlier or stayed later. So I started to do that and yeah. then I started to realize how important that is. Yeah. One last question before we go to break. You, um, you know, you talked about the, um, I'm forgetting the word you used, not chemistry. What was it? Chemistry? Chemistry. Protecting your, chem- you know, yeah. the chemistry, yeah. letting people come to you with ideas, yeah. the condition of trying a new ingredient mm-hmm. and all of this. Mm-hmm. Do you ever find that you need, is that a hard line to walk? In other words, because at some point yeah. you do need to be the boss. Yes. You, the buck stops with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, you make the call whether or not something makes it onto the, you know, in Saturday Night Live terms, whether something makes it onto the show mm-hmm. or dies in the writer's mm-hmm. room, Right. You invite people to be collaborative, but it's not, it's not the high school play, right? right. So yeah. is that a tough line for you to walk? Has that ever led to moments where you've had to sort of define that in a very explicit way? I can maybe think of a couple of small little times, but no, it's, a, it's I think, I mean, and I'm kind of honored to say that, but it's kind of a respect thing. Mm-hmm. Um, people know my lines and yeah. when to not cross them yeah. and when to just get right up to them. Yeah. Um, no, it's an absolute respect thing. I, I don't think any one of my cooks would come in and just like change something or do something different. I do have like, I want you to set your station up this way. I want you to do that this way, you know. I and But then also once you learn my style, you also have a style. Mm-hmm. And if getting from point a to point B gets you to C. Yeah. I don't really care how you do it. Right. As long as you do it like appropriate and you do it 
the right way and you yeah. treat everything with respect and yeah. you do justice to the ingredients that you're working with. Yeah. If you want to get from there to there in a certain way that I yeah. necessarily haven't thought of, if that makes you happy, if that makes you succeed, I, I'm okay with that. Okay. Great. Yeah. We're going to take a quick break. Okay. We are talking with Chef Claire Welly at Otway Restaurant in Brooklyn, New York. We'll be right back after this. But before we go, I do want to remind everybody you can follow the show on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. The handle in all three places is at Chef Podcast. That's at Chef Podcast. And if you would like to subscribe to the show, you can do that on Stitcher or iTunes. And we'll be right back after this. My theme song and break music is from After School Special's album, Double Barrel, Single Entendre, which is available on iTunes. 100 Bogart Street is finally open and ready for Bushwick. 100 Bogart is a brand new, state-of-the-art co-working space that provides turnkey workspaces, including open layout desks, meeting spaces, and furnished private offices. Members have access to top-notch amenities such as custom furniture, high-speed internet, spacious kitchenettes with coffee and tea, printers, scanners, and much more. Alongside their professional work environment, 100 Bogart also provides exclusive educational programming for any curious entrepreneur. Heritage Radio Network has made their new office home at 100 Bogart and will host many events there in the future. For more information about their co-working space, visit 100bogart.com and become a member to network, create, and educate. And we are back talking with Chef Claire Welly. Um, so, Claire, let's talk about right after cooking school. Mm-hmm. Where do you go? Um, I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do, so I bought a little time, and I was a teaching assistant. Um, in at the, the CIA? Right, at the Scott uh-huh. room. I just did it for a couple of months. Yeah. I made a few bucks. Uh-huh. Um, I felt like I got some money back from CIA. Right. <laughs> um, and I was going to go to Chicago. Alinea had just opened. And I was all about it. You don't hear about anything modern at the CIA. It's all foundation. It's all fundamentals. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, I'm going to Alinea. Um, but my partner, who I'm still with right now, mm-hmm. was moving to San Francisco. And I thought, well, you know, let's just go see if this works out and let's go to San Francisco. I've mm-hmm. never been. So I packed tank tops and shorts because I thought I'm going to California. Uh, and <laughs> you were about six hours south exactly. of uh, the mark. And or I you had, were six hours north of your mental yep. picture. Yeah. And I had to call my mom and tell her to send me all my sweaters and winter <laughs> right, coats. Right, right, um, right. Had you never been there? Never, never. Oh, my yeah, God. Yeah. So I moved to San Francisco. Um, and I got a job at the fifth floor. Uh-huh. And I loved it so much. Who Was Dave Was Dave the chef at that uh, time? His name was, no, no, his name was Ryan Farr. Okay. Um, uh, and after Ryan, it was two chefs, um, Jake and Charlie, and they okay. were both amazing. Uh-huh. And I learned a lot, and it was very fine dining. And yeah. This is where Daniel Hum had been at mm-hmm. one point. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And so um, I went there, and I was there for a while, but then the restaurant closed. Mm. Um, and then I had to go find another job, so I decided to go to Spruce and do baking and pastry. Mm. So I was, yeah, so I was okay. working um, at Spruce and doing baking and pastry. And, um, that, yeah. And then the recession hit right? and San Francisco just closed down. Yeah. There was no, there was no jobs. Yeah. Everything was just very peach on a plate, you know? Uh-huh. And when you're young, you want, I wanted WD-50. 
You know? This is actually shocking. When you said Alinea, that's very mm-hmm. surprising to me. Yeah. That doesn't seem to gel with where you ended up. I am a fine dining. My background is fine dining. Um, absolutely. I'm no, not, but I not mean, like, you're not. Food, well, even, or helium, green mm-hmm. apple, helium balloons. But it's or, new, it's exciting, it's something yeah. else. And even if you took one or two things away from it, yeah. you know, it would still. But that, appe- part that really of you. appealed to you. Very much so. Especially as a young cook, I, I would just say yes for 14 hours. Uh-huh. No problem. Yeah. Head down, no yeah. problem. Um, I like the rigor. Yeah. Um, so. The recession hit, and there were no jobs. Everything closed down. My partner was at um, Rubicon. That closed. Your partner's a chef? Mm-hmm. Okay. He's the chef at Rucola in Warham Hill. Oh, I didn't realize. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. sure. Um, I used to live right over. I used to live on Butler Street. Most successful independent restaurant I know of. Uh-huh. Um, oh, that's great. That is For people who don't know, people who are outside of New York or aren't Brooklyn savvy, that is a very, mm-hmm. very popular restaurant. Yeah, it is. It's, yeah. He, oh, he's busy yeah. all day, every day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so we thought, well, who always needs, who always needs help? Yeah. Farmers. Let's, you know, a big part of this industry that nobody talks about is where does the food come from? Yeah. Who grows your food? Yeah. I mean, think about how many people don't even know what a potato plant looks like. So, um, we moved back to the East coast and I worked on a organic produce farm in uh, Saratoga Springs. Wow. And what was it like? Okay. Now you had grown up in an agricultural setting, Mm -hmm. Yeah. but then you had been to the, you know. You'd been to the show, mm-hmm. yep. And then you go back. You know, you then you go away from a big urban center. Mm-hmm. Was it um, comfortable for you because of how, how and where you grew up, or did you feel sort of you know removed from the action? And was that hard for you? It's not hard because you can catch up on gossip, news, and action in thirty seconds. You can uh-huh. find out what the popular restaurant is, what we're all eating, where right. to go. You know, the common theme is just hard work. And it's manual To labor. all of these stops on your... Exactly. Yeah. And so transitioning to farming, the only thing that was hard about it was waking up early, to be yeah. honest with you. Other than that, yeah. it's just manual labor and hard work. So yeah. if you want to, you know, if you don't mind getting dirty, it was really nice to work outside. Mm-hmm. Um, so no, it, I didn't feel like it was hard because I just, I like to work. I like to work hard. I need it. Like we, we were just talking about ADD and yeah. I, I need rigor and regimen and discipline or else I'm literally just going to go And physicality. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Being tired at the end of the day. You like that feeling. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Um, And so uh, I was on a farm for a year. I did that. And then we were just so close to New York City. We just thought, well, New York City, you know, right? who else is going to support the arts the way that New York does? Yeah. Not a lot of cities were. Right. So um, I've been here for, I think, seven or eight years now. When you were on the farm, what did you... uh, what, how did that influence you as a cook, as a chef? Mm-hmm. Um, I'll put it out there that broadly. What did oh you take gosh. from that that you hadn't picked up in early jobs, school, in San Francisco? Like, what what, yeah. uh, what what was new for you? The food's just there, isn't it? In kitchens, it's just, okay, yeah. the food's here. Right. And you label it, and you put it away, and you prep it, and you cook it. Yeah. And, you know, in, especially in fine dining restaurants, you'll take, one, you'll take an apple, you'll get one little garnish out of the apple and throw the rest of the apple away. Um, all of a sudden, I'm growing the food, I'm washing the food, I'm planting seedlings, and I'll tell you, it, it, I, say, it's, I say this to uh, Patrick a lot of the time when we were walking out the door, I'll be like, do justice to food. That's like our little <laughs> saying to each other, like, do justice to food, uh-huh. because you really like, you have these potatoes, now what am I going to do? And I guess that influenced me because we were talking about fine dining and I loved it and I I love the modernism and everything, but all of a sudden I had this beautiful potato. Yeah. 
okay, now I, now it's my job to yes. just not mess it up. Right. <laughs> That's literally my job now is to get the best produce I can and not mess it up. It helps sort of extract some of the ego Very much from so. your cooking. Is that, not, a, is that yeah. a fair way to put it? Not to say that we don't manipulate. Sure, um, of course. Not to say that you know we don't have fun with things, but we do try to look at things especially when you get a beautiful product, simplistically. Mm-hmm. How do we make this taste like the best version of itself? Right. Um, so, yeah, I guess that's how it influenced me. It was, it was a really nice moment in time. Mm-hmm. Do you ever get out to a farm still these days? Do you ever, ever so just... often, you know. Um, like in the springtime, we'll go up and we'll forage for ramps. Yeah. Um, I was at um, a farm in New Jersey called Bobo Link. Mm-hmm. A little bit ago, they make cheese, and that yeah. was nice. You know, so, yeah, it, like the excursion is... Great. Yes. But it's, you know, I work, I work the line every yeah, day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. No, it's tough to get I out. Don't have a, I don't have a license. A license? I don't have a license. A driver's license. Drive. Oh, that's a, yeah, that's expired. a drag. It expired. <laughs> Welcome um, to New York. Uh, okay. So do, if, you, if you don't mind my asking, because yeah. this is something that is always fascinating to me, um, you're in a relationship with another chef. Mm-hmm. I have always believed that that is a very helpful thing for somebody in an industry like this, especially in a big city mm-hmm. with the, the hours, with the demands of the job, somebody who bo- understands both of those things. Yeah. And um, because if you're not, it's your, your ships in the night, you know, you, you, you know, it's hard. <laughs> there's no frame of reference. Right. It's very hard for someone who hasn't done this to understand mm-hmm. it. Um, can, can you, do you mind? Can you no, speak to this all. for a he, moment? He is amazing. I think, you know, I like to surround myself with talented people yeah. and people who are well-rounded and balanced. Yeah. And he is all of those things. Um, yeah. We can talk about food. We can go out to dinner. We can, you know, drink a bottle of wine. Absolutely. He, he gets it. The number one thing is he's never made me feel guilty about what I do. That's huge. Our industry is very guilt-based. It's, I always feel like it's a little like... How do you mean? Like, uh, you have to go into work. You, uh-huh. ha- you know, you have to do this. You know, like if you're it's not... punitive. Yeah, like yeah. What is, what's your motivation? What's going to drive you? And a lot of the time it is a bit of guilt. Um, and so he's... I, I learn from him. He's amazing at making pastas and bread. He's actually starting an Amaro business, which mm. is like just fascinating to me. So... Um, He's a really great source of inspiration. Mm-hmm. If I'm having a really hard day, he's going into work, so I'm going into work. Yeah. Great. Yeah. So tell, take me from uh, the farm to here. Okay. What's the, what's the, what are the links sure, absolutely. in that chain? Um, links in the chain. Um, New York was still supporting the arts, unlike a lot of cities. You know, it was like L.A., sort of. Chicago, yes. Miami, okay. Boston, maybe. New York, definitely. You're so, using the arts in the culinary ter- yes, way. Yes, yes, absolutely. People who want to be doing interesting things. New Yorkers eat. Mm-hmm. They eat. Um, and so we were just so close. I was in Saratoga Springs, so we just were like, okay, let's let's move to New York. So we moved here. Um, I got a great apartment on Carmine Street in the West Village. Nice. I felt really in the Manhattan. middle of everything. Nice. Manhattan. It was, it was great. <laughs> yeah. And... Um, I didn't know where I wanted to work, so I just started trailing. And I trailed everywhere. Mm-hmm. And I landed up at Moss Farmhouse mm. um, 
independently owned. I've always gone small. I've never really so done like This is a like small huge, restaurant really small. in the West Village. Yep. Uh, it's called Moss Farmhouse. Yeah. Um, Galen Zamara was the chef. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a really, really, really nice introduction into New York City restaurants. Mm-hmm. It was technique driven. Yeah. Great ingredients. They mm-hmm. were going to the farmer's market. Yeah. Um, I It was fair. I met my best friend who turned out to be my station partner for the last couple of years. Wow. Um, it was really, really great. So I was there for a year. And, and you were like yeah. a short walk from work. Oh, yeah. Commute, commute is very <laughs> the important. The commute was I sweet. I live right around the corner from here, too. Oh, good. Yeah. Um, so after Moss Farmhouse, I jumped around. I was at a couple of restaurants for a couple of weeks, and nothing was, nothing was fitting. And Patrick says, hey, this, this restaurant just got reviewed. Um, you should go. You should check it out. And um, I went, and it was Gwinnett Street. Mm-hmm. And tell, uh, Can you tell people what Gwinnett Street Gwinnett is? Gwinnett Street was a beautiful moment in time. It was in East Williamsburg, um, which I still think is Bushwick. Um, (laughs) And it was um, Justin Hilbert and Carl McCoy. Mm -hmm. And it was a very, like, I think it was one of the first neo bistros, to be honest with you. Not to say there was like a ton of natural wine, um, but it was, the price point was a little lower than a lot of restaurants. It was casual. Everybody had tattoos, and we were wearing converses, mm-hmm. and but it was still very regimented in the kitchen. We had our stations. We said, "Yes, chef." Yes, you know, um, Justin is an amazing, amazing chef. Um, I still talk to him. He's fantastic. Mm-hmm. So it was a great moment in time. We we that was one of. If you ask any one of the cooks who was there, they would say that that's their favorite. How job. long were you there? Um, I was there for a year and a half. Uh huh. And I probably would still be there. <laughs> Really? Yeah. You mean if if, if, if something like happened, this yeah. hadn't fallen yeah. into yeah. yeah yeah and if everything hadn't happened it 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 imploded which was really sad yeah um, so after Gwinnett Street um, what did I do after Gwinnett Street oh um, I just hung around for a little bit and then I actually opened up Blenheim with Justin mm. and that lasted for about. I don't know, eight weeks. Yeah. And then that imploded. Yeah. Um, right. <laughs> so after that, I just started thinking, I just want, I just like to be a line cook. I could literally just go back and be a line cook mm-hmm. right now. There's, mm-hmm. you know, no ego about it. I have to pay rent. Yeah. Um, so then I just started dabbling. I, I was at Rebel. Mm-hmm. Um, I was at King most recently. Mm. Like, I just met them. Oh, they're phenomenal. We were, they? they were on a radio thing right before I was yeah. on, and they were coming out, and they're I was great. going in, and they charmed. They instantly charmed me with their British me accents. Me too. Yeah. And their food is phenomenal. Yeah. Um, so I just started jumping around, um, and then you know Samantha wanted to open up a restaurant and do dinner, and I said, okay, no problem. Right. <laughs> Well, we skipped a step, though. We skipped uh, Tilda all we day. Said, we, yeah, we skipped. We, I'm sorry, I did forget about <laughs> That's Tilda. That's okay. That was, a, that was a hard couple of months. So, yeah. yeah. Um, Tilda, uh, all day concept, baking and pastry. I was here at 4.30 in the morning, yeah. and then I was working the line until 6, and then I was prepping until about 8.30, and it was tough, but it was invaluable experience. Mm-hmm. No, this is interesting to me, and the reason I, I did want to, I jumped back in with the mm-hmm. Tilda thing is you, so you were here. Yeah. Um, and then when that closed, then you went to King. Right. Basically, step back into l- line cook status. Oh, yeah, I worked. I worked garmage at King, and uh-huh. then I worked at the grill. Um, and it was. I love it. I now love there's it. people. Oh. There's people I've known. They've been the chef somewhere. Yeah. Uh, there's a job available. Um, you know. Well, we don't have an executive chef job, but we and it's forget it. Yeah, like yeah, the, absolutely. You know, There's probably and some I'm not that even, can't go back. And I'm not putting that down in the least. No, right? I'm I, talking about some of my best friends. But you, what were, you were, I mean, first of all, there's the practical matter of living in New York. Right, got to pay rent. Got to pay rent. Yeah. 
yeah, but I'm no one, you know? Like, I'm literally, uh, no, I'm serious. I, I'm, it's not like I'm, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to say anybody's name, but like, right. it, I'm, it's not <laughs> like I'm this like well-known, you know, bigger, larger than life chef. And I have this ego. No, I just, no, I'm, I'm a, I'm a line cook and I have absolutely no problem just going back and saying yes. Okay. Well, I'm going to come back to that in a minute okay. if it's okay. Sure. But, um, cause I want to challenge you on that. I'm okay. fair warning. <laughs> fair warning. Uh, but no, my question was going to be, so over these, jo- over these years, yeah. right? Uh, uh, fifth floor, um, Gwinnett, mm-hmm. um, what, uh, Moss farmhouse, how are you, uh, and when are you starting to think about your own style, mm-hmm. your own food, what that looks like, who you, uh, as I like to say, who you are on the plate, mm-hmm. right? Did yeah. you, did you keep a notebook? Were you trying things at home in your own time? Were you trying things during the prep day in some of these restaurants in your downtime? Mm-hmm. Like how did, how, how did that all start to come into view for you? Um, I don't think it has yet. <laughs> Still. Still. I really? mean, I, I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not young, but I'm not old. And right. I mean, we've been open for a year and I feel like the menu is just now starting to become, you know, like that, what I thought it would be in the beginning. It took me a long time to get here. Mm-hmm. Um, so what's your sort of North star when you're putting things on a menu and thinking about a menu? Like, how do you organize you your, know, it's funny, I use that how do you organize? Oh, do you? I, I, use, I, I do too. I use that all the time. <laughs> Um, like what's your, you know what I mean? What's your compass? Like, how do you, what's the spine off which you're hanging the dishes? Besides seasonality, of course. Yeah. Besides practicality and cost, of course. Yeah. Um, instincts. I think all those years, you know, just saying yes and whatnot, but you are learning. You are, it's osmosis. You're, you know, collecting things. And, um, I, I trust my instincts. Mm -hmm. I really do. Um, if Are I you just cooking things that you would like to eat? Is it something that's simple? Absolutely. That's how you go we about literally, it. literally, I say that to every person who comes into this kitchen. I, they'll make a dish and I'll be like, do you want to eat that? Is that what you want to eat? Yeah. We cook like we want to eat here. Uh-huh. If we want uni, we put the right amount of uni on the plate. Like right. if we want, you know, cheese, we yeah. put the right amount of cheese. We cook like we want to eat because we trust our instincts. Uh-huh. Um, you know, and so I think if, if we can make food that we want to eat and is delicious, then somebody else has got to want to do it too. You know? Right. So your food, I mean, I, how do you, I mean, do you describe it in any way? I mean, you don't, it's, it's very, while being, I, I've eaten here once, mm-hmm. right? Right. Um, and we don't need to name names, but it was an, in, you know, it was an industry table. Yeah. Okay. So, um, and, and <clears throat> one or two people at the table had been there before, here before, um, you know, the food is very um, relatable. It's super relatable. It's, you know, we talked about this ego thing before. Mm-hmm. You know, there's some stuff there that I, it's not straight classic, Mm-mm. but it's a cl- it comes in a classic box. Very much right? so. But there's stuff Technique, going on. We're very technique driven here. That I don't know what it is, but mm-hmm. it doesn't eat like the one you'd get, right. you know, like in, in, a, in a bistro. Absolutely. But it's, but it's a, do you use the word daub? Am I remembering right? For what? There was like a, a stewed or braised. Oh, the pot of food. Pot of food. Yeah, yeah, it was a pot of food. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's not a. No, it's But it's, but it's also not a boring dish. I mean, it, no. it's delicious. It looks very pretty. Thank you. Thank you. But it seems to me like that's. And again, yeah. it was a cold winter night, and mm-hmm. that's, that is a bullseye, right? That's yeah, what you, you want. Thank you. Yeah, I mean. But I hope that comes off right. I, I mean, that is no, a compliment. No, I. We definitely... I think um, relatability is thank huge. Thank you. No, thank... Yes. Oh, my gosh. I, I absolutely 100% agree with you. I don't necessarily want 
uh, every single guest to come in here and have a have an experience, have a, yeah. you know, uh, sometimes it's just dinner, you know, <laughs> yeah. and I get that and I'm making the food and I yeah. understand that. So yeah. sometimes it is just dinner. Um, the venison dish, for instance, there's three things on the plate. Yeah. It's venison, salsa puree yes. and huckleberries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it's really funny how everybody thinks we're so fancy. Um, you well, know, we had, was it anchovies? Mm, yeah, you're the right. anchovies yeah. with the oil. Yeah, just and we had some leftover bread, and we were just like right? mopping up the. I mean, oh yeah. my god, it's simple. It's I could have had three orders of that and some wine, and gone home. And gone home. I could have gone home happy. Me too. Anchovies are all I want yeah. to eat on my day off. Yeah, um, yeah it, it. We're trying to make it into just a really great bistro where you yeah. want to come two and three times a week. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the destination restaurant in Clinton Hill isn't necessarily what we're going for. Mm -hmm. um, we want to know every table. We want to see our neighbors. We, mm -hmm. you know, I want my friends to come in. I want the cooks. Like, mm -hmm. it's, you know, we, we reference Blue Ribbon a lot. We want to be that restaurant that, oh, really? you know, like on Monday nights, chef, chef, owner, owner, cook, 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 cook. Yeah. Like that, that's what we want. Um, Are you starting to get that? Since the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. Especially because we're open on Mondays. Yeah. It's so funny the way you said the word experience a yeah. minute ago with sort of sarcasm dripping off it. Because yeah. I did an interview with Greg Backstrom mm -hmm. not long ago and he hates that word. Yeah. He, I used it to uh, refer to um, Olmstead one day yeah. and he was like, I don't want this to be an experience do you know what also, um, when I was listening to Elise's um, podcast that you did with her, her interview? Elise Kornack. Yes. How nervous and how daunting preconceived notions are. Mm. And it is a huge source of anxiety for me and I think a lot of people. And I think it's why I changed the menu so much. Mm. And I don't like to peg anything and I don't like to pigeonhole yeah. anything. And uh, preconceived notions, please. But what do you mean by that? Well, how, how so? Like, because, what do you mean? Like, for instance, um, and I mean this with the utmost respect, yeah. Pete Wells gave us um, the best, one of the best One of the dishes. 10 best dishes of the year. Right. And um, we, literally that morning, I had took it off. I had taken it off the menu. <laughs> I'm not kidding. And when I got the call that he put us on the list, That's I was perfect. so... Oh Stunned. my God. And so perfect. I know that. And because it just never caught on and yeah. our regulars come in three and four times a week and they weren't eating it. They had had it for the last couple of months and yeah. they weren't eating it anymore. Yeah. And so, um, you know, I talked to Samantha and we decided to not put it back on the menu. No, I should say Samantha is your business partner. She's, yeah, here. she's the yeah, owner. Yeah, she's yeah, the yeah, owner. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and we were okay with that because you didn't put it back on that day. We didn't put it or well, that week. No, I mean, I might wow. have. I think I might have done it once or twice as an addition, maybe like on a Friday or Saturday night, yeah. just like maybe somebody was coming in for it. But people, maybe one or two people asked for it. But I think I don't know. I had. I think I had one table who came in and they ate it and they were like, "We don't understand why this is on this list," and I was like, "Nope, I'm not. No." And not only that, but Samantha's been really great. She knows if I take something off the menu and I'll put something on, it's not necessarily going to be 100% better, but it'll go in another direction and it'll be just as good. Mm -hmm. She really trusts me to do that. Mm -hmm. And so um, I don't abuse it, but I don't leave your preconceived notions at the door. You know? So you made this comment a minute ago, this you know very humble comment about I'm not this so and so chef, and I, but you you're making this face. Can I I you, wave me off if you want? No, no, but no, no. but no, but you're. It feels like you are at this transitional moment. For, as someone who observes your industry, mm -hmm. it does seem to me like you're at this moment that a uh, you know a handful of chefs in e each city are 
I don't want to say fortunate because to use your term, yeah. there's a lot of hard work that goes into mm-hmm. it, but you are definitely being noticed. I mean, in a, you know, there, there was the, 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 that mm-hmm. roundup that Pete did. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, when I put out, I put out about it the night I was here for dinner. I'm, I'm, we talked during the break. I have a, literally have OCD. I mean, it's I call it low grade OCD, <laughs> but, um, you know, so six people Saturday night, I, three weeks out, I was like, guys, I'm going to make a reservation somewhere. (laughs) And I sent out like a half dozen, you know, and the, and the only consensus Mm -hmm. was this restaurant. I mean, people are, you're, you're on the radar right now. Your, your stock is going up right now, but what's, is that, I mean, do you not, you must, come on, you must feel that. No, I do feel the momentum. Yeah. Um, and it is, is it scary? Yeah, it is a little scary because then you have a lot of expectations. But I think, you know, I've always had high standards. Yeah. Um, and I just keep trusting my instincts. Yeah. I've been taught very well by a lot of good people. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, I I made a comment the other day. I felt like I have kind of been, I don't know, like, um, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't know. Like, from the beginning, I felt like I was being, like, bred for something, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, my parents were always very supportive and I was creative and yeah. I, you know, like just hard work and, just, yeah. you know, yeah. eth- like work ethic and yeah. respect. And I don't know, I just kind of always thought I have, I was being like, you know, brought up to do something important. I just hope that, I don't know, I just, yeah, it does make me a little nervous because they're, I just want to make a lot of people proud. And so, and I want to mm-hmm. do right by this industry that mm-hmm. has done right by me. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot, there's a lot, there's a lot, you know, but that, and that's why I think I like coming in every single day Yeah, and just working a station. Yeah. It's very grounding. My favorite quote is from Ferdinand Point, each day the Cuisinaire begins alone. Mm-hmm. And I truly feel that way. This job, this industry has the beautiful experience of giving you from start to finish satisfaction. Mm-hmm. You come in, you prep the food, you set up your station, you cook, you clean up and you go home. Mm-hmm. Every day you get satisfaction not a lot of jobs offer that so i i love just like coming in every day and starting from scratch mm-hmm. i love that yeah it seems to me like part of what you're saying about the other piece is look it's a great thing to have right you need to be noticed to be in business in this 100%. city 100 percent. but it seems like tell, tell me if i'm misinterpreting it it seems like what you're saying is that there's a point beyond which that can become distracting. There's a point beyond which that can keep you from functioning. You talked about instinct a few minutes ago. Mm-hmm. When you start to feel that laser yes. focus on you, yes. you could start to second guess your instincts. Mm-hmm. And maybe you won't, but uh, someone weaker than you maybe would, or no, maybe I you're worried we, that I that have, could start you know, to happen. No, you know? I, I definitely have. I Yes, 100%. And that's why... I think evolution is so important. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like taking that step back and all of a sudden changing gears. Like right. all the great restaurants, think about it. They, I mean, you know, maybe they'll keep one or two key items, but like look at Alinea. They just shut down, closed, and changed everything. Yeah. Yeah. Throw away the rule book, yeah. evolve, yeah. challenge yourself. This isn't like a temple to me. It's definitely a neighborhood bistro yeah. and, and it's a wine bar and you know, come get an Americano. Right. Um, but at the same time, I need to inspire people to want to work here. Yeah. It's so interesting to me. I, um, well, we taped an interview two days ago. I just interviewed Charlie Palmer. Oh my gosh. Totally yeah. different Total, generation. Yes. Oh my gosh. Um, although I have to say, as I'm sitting here, 
I don't know. I don't even know if I should be saying this on the air, but I, I did have a moment about halfway through this interview where I thought, I, maybe I might run these two episodes, these two interviews back to back because it, you guys, totally different generations, mm-hmm. obviously different genders, mm-hmm. but both from a farming community. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting. It's yeah. very, and he's now out West. You spent time. It may be an interesting compliment, yeah. but that aside, you know, uh, I ended up afterwards going to have a quick bite at Oriole, which is oh now on gosh, 42nd yeah. street, mm-hmm. but used to be in a townhouse on, I want to say East, East 61st mm-hmm. or East 63rd. It's escaping me right now. Um, but he was saying to me, you know, periodically you got to shake it up. Yes. This wasn't in the interview. This yes. was just, and he was saying that, you know, or maybe it was, but he was saying, you know, people told him he was crazy mm-hmm. to do that. And he was like, guys, we've been here almost 30 years. Like, we can't be here forever. It's going to, yeah, because yeah. there does come a moment where no one sees it coming, right. but there comes a moment where all of a sudden something is irrelevant. I mean, you're mm-hmm. a million years from this, but where all of a sudden something has lapsed into irrelevancy. New York is so trend-based, isn't it? I know. Yeah, it, but even it, beyond- but it's, it, You're either trendy or classic. Like, you, are you going to yeah. keep being trendy? Or are you going to get to classic? No, I'm, I'm with you 100%. Evolve, try something different. Not only that, but the, the, it's not all about the guest, okay? I, I'm, a, I'm a really firm believer in this. It is not- about the guests. Granted, yeah. I'm in the business of, you know, giving you an experience yeah. and, and come and eat and drink yeah. and relax. And, you know, I will take your money. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> I will take your money. Thank right. you. Um, but I, I have to inspire people to come cook food. I have to, I have to, you know, it's not just about inspiring the guest. I need to inspire my cooks. Yeah. You know, I need to work with great ingredients, plate things beautifully, you know, uh, teach them new techniques. I have to inspire a lot more than just table two. Mm-hmm. Um, so I need to keep evolving and challenging and not myself too. I, you yeah. know, I, the ADD thing is real. I'll come up with the dish. I'll make it one time and I'll be like, okay, what's next? That was fun. Yeah, that was fun. Right. Great. Yeah. Fantastic. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, oh man, now I have to make that. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's, I have to want to do it. Yeah. I really have to want to do something. If you don't, it shows up, right? This it is, this really is something does. that's almost become a theme I in this show. It. It shows up in the food. If, oh, yeah. the, if the cooks and the chef are not into it anymore, it, you can't put words to why, but it's just... It shows up. It shows up. 100%. It's just not on point anymore. Night. Yep. I absolutely agree with you. It, yeah. it shows up in the food. So I have to want to do it because what else is my motivation? You know, I don't... I don't know. I, I need something else. So yeah, I have to want to do it. Yeah. Okay, last question. Okay. You... Uh, you work long hours. Mm-hmm. You don't like to really stop. Mm-hmm. You talk very fast. Mm-hmm. Not too fast, but okay, good. I'll yeah, but good. fast. Okay. What, do you, what do you do to slow down? What do you do? do? You is there a need for that in your life? Is there a downtime thing that you do? Or do you do yoga? No, like, is no, there, no, my God, no, 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 no. Is there a counterbalance to this life that you so enjoy? Is there a need for a counterpoint to it, or is it just you just don't need that? I don't know. I um, I'm not like a I'm not just a cook. It's not just what I do. It's who I am. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it saturates everything in my life. I write lists, mm-hmm. I FIFO things, I mise en place my day off. Yeah. I, it is literally who I am. Yeah. Um, so you don't turn it off if it's who you are. I, yeah. you know, I love this industry. I love everything about it. And so, no, I don't turn it off. I, I, I think about dinner when I'm eating lunch mm-hmm. and <laughs> like it just, yeah. you know, um, do you even think of it as work? Do you think of it as coming to work? 
Yes, I do. I really do. I, mm-hmm. I do because you do have to like mentally prepare for it and mm-hmm. sharpen your knives. And yes, absolutely. Yeah. I'm very lucky to get to do what I do, um, and it is who I am. But yeah, it, no, it's okay. It's work. Um, it, it's a job. Um, yeah, no, I don't turn it off. I don't necessarily go home and just talk about food all the time. Mm-hmm. I do like balance. Patrick's really good with that. Mm-hmm. You know, he's really into music. He's yeah. into. Um, I don't, he's into photography. Yeah. He balances me out a lot. There's more to this than food because if you just think about food, you need to be able to collect memories and senses and experiences and then it makes you become a better version of yourself. I know chefs who go to the Metropolitan Museum of Art and walk around the, to get an idea. Just saw the Frank Lloyd Wright exhibit at MoMA. I love it. Like, yeah. I need that. Um, we were just talking about whether we go to the cloisters in the spring or the fall. Right. Like, um, you know, yeah. so yeah. I'm really into wine right now. It's mm-hmm. like the, a new frontier for me, mm-hmm. something else to learn. Yeah. No, I don't turn it off. Okay. Yeah. Well, it was great to, well, meet you so, again. It but was so nice. No. I'm glad was, we, uh, I'm glad we DM'd a couple of weeks ago. Me too. <laughs> me too. I know I'm glued to my phone these days. So, um, no, I was really looking forward to, I love talking about this industry. I, I love hearing what other chefs have to say. Yeah. Um, this podcast means a lot to our community. Oh, Wow. Well, thank you very much. Um, Okay. We'll see you again. Okay. And that's our show. A big thank you to Claire Welly of Otway Restaurant in Brooklyn, New York. Kate and I talked about it at the top of the show. If you have not been to Otway and you live in or visit New York, it's really a charming sweet restaurant with just really wonderful food and you should get there we love it uh thank you claire for being on the show this week thanks everybody for listening i hope you were able to listen to that in tandem with the charlie palmer interview i I do really think they complement each other if you listen to this one first now i hope you'll hop back one episode and listen to that one and if you would like to follow our show as always you can do that at chef podcast at twitter Instagram, and Facebook. Thanks to our engineer, David Tattashore, for splicing these things together every week. Thanks to my wife, Caitlin Friedman, for joining me for the introduction to the show. And thanks to you all for listening. Hope to see you back here next week on Andrew Talks to Chefs. <laughs>